0: Hi, guys. Welcome to the Deep Learning Crowd podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Rhys Luxford. Today, I'm excited to announce I'm speaking with Nicholas Steenbergen, co-founder of Zero30 Solutions. Nicholas is a technical expert in the field of computer vision and deep learning, starting his journey at TomTom Tom with an autonomous driving, and now has very recently created an exciting startup. And today, we'll be able to dive into this new venture in the field of AI and utilities. We'll be discussing computer vision techniques he is working with, such as point cloud, and what it's like being his own boss. Nicholas is a technical leader on an exciting path, a journey I plan to watch unfold. I'm really excited about this episode. It's good to have you amongst the crowd. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
1: Thanks, Ruth, for uh, having me.
0: I'm really happy to have you here. You are one of my first technical guests. However. I've caught you at probably the perfect time because you have recently created a company within ai which we'll go into today but you know i'm extremely happy because i've got someone who's on both sides of the table working as a founder and within the technical side as well so nicholas obviously our guests won't know much about you so give us an overview of what you do in your background
1: yeah so i did my master's in ai in amsterdam I think I graduated 2014, I moved back to Germany, so I'm half Dutch, half German, and decided to move back to Germany, worked at a research center for artificial intelligence for a bit in uh, Berlin, then I joined an autonomous driving startup, Autonomous, which later then got acquired by TomTom, which is a large mapping company, and uh, there I was working for high definition maps, so those are maps for autonomous driving cars, basically
0: yep and uh, since then you've now founded 0 30 solutions
1: right exactly so I quit actually this this month so two weeks ago it's all very fresh I'm very excited yeah uh, we founded this company which uh, basically does mapping but not for autonomous cars but for uh, infrastructure
0: yeah so well let, let's go straight into it then so 0 30 solutions what does the company do what do you do
1: so we map distributed infrastructure. What uh, do I mean by this is uh, mapping is first distributed infrastructure is uh, any infrastructure that's uh, spread over a large surface area. You could think of electricity poles, these wooden poles, the distribution grid, especially in the US maybe, where you have wooden poles on top of some wires. But could also be telephone companies. They also need to maintain uh, telephone or mobile phone carriers or railway companies. So anything really that covers a large surface area in this infrastructure. What do we mean by map is basically positioning the assets of companies, but also determining the state of, of the infrastructure. So for poles, this could be leaning poles and what's attached to the poles. Sometimes there are other like cable TV in the US, for example, and they rent out these poles. So this is important. for the utilities for billing maintenance also disaster recovery uh, and so forth so one one thing is that these utility companies they often have a manual workflow still so they have actually people driving from pole to pole if you take the electricity poles for example and just getting out of the car taking some some maybe laser measurement writing stuff on paper and then putting it into a database so we think we can do this uh, faster and in a more automated way so how can we do that we mount image and laser sensors on drones or cars and then drive or fly past the infrastructure we then feed the sensor recordings into our machine learning or ai software and then the software analyzes the data and outputs a mapping and this information about the state of the infrastructure which we then can give to utilities
0: Yeah. Okay. And as a business, as a whole, because I think we touched on this before, but there is differences between you and your competitors. Tell us a bit about what differentiates you from your competitors.
1: Good question. So there are definitely other companies that do software for smart analytics, of sensor data however there's always the question where does your sensor data come from right and Julian Pensol my co-founder and me we worked for quite a while at TomTom which is this global mapping company and they indeed have the hardware and also the operational capabilities to map anywhere in the world or they even already have sensor data from certain regions we're or utilities are interested in And we're also having some contacts into another bigger mapping company. So we can buy existing data from them or have them record data on demand even. So the other thing is that two new hardware people will join us. So it's kind of a secret still. So I don't want to name their names, but they're two excellent engineers We currently built a prototype which contains a camera and a super accurate GPS. So this would give us sort of uh, the opportunity to have an integrated solution with hard and software. On the other hand, we're also looking into the opportunity to build a new LiDAR, which is interesting because it gives us laser measurements which are super accurately geolocated. So this is excellent for mapping. And there is currently no really big mapping LiDAR uh, manufacturer in europe but this is more like a long-term plan so these two things like the way we can buy data from mapping companies through our contacts would set us apart from purely software companies and also our hardware capabilities Now, the other thing are bigger companies like Google or something, and there we think this topic is is sort of a niche topic, so it's not really on their radar yet. And also, since they also have these operational capabilities, so being able to map anywhere in the world with their own hardware we think that they prefer to map to use their own mapping capabilities whereas we plan to give the utilities our actual hardware because we think they have the operational capabilities anywhere because they have these maintenance guys driving from power pole in the example of power lines distribution network anyway right so for them, it would be easy to have sort of a thing that you can put on your car. And since they're maintaining their grid anyway, they can continuously record data. We'll send it to us and we process it. So in this way, we give the utilities the opportunity or the power to decide themselves where they want to have something remapped or reanalyzed without being dependent on a third party like Google to do the data acquisition.
0: Okay. So obviously with Zero 030 solutions, you started this company 2 weeks ago, but let's be honest, you said a year prior to that you'd been working on the business. So what did you do between that time frame to now? What have you been doing behind the scenes?
1: So first we went to different uh, laser distributors and just asked for data to build sort of a proof of concept right and this kept us busy for some time so we were really next to our uh, day job we were busy building some kind of demonstrator to see if this technology works at all right so you you first want to have a grasp if, if your idea works and we produced a video and we started to participate in it's called infra challenge it's an initiative of the g20 and we were very happy to get accepted. And we we are going to the finals now. Incredible. So we got selected out of the 70 that uh, were selected. We got under the, I think, 10 best. Amazing. And now we're basically fighting for winning this competition to be first.
0: When do you find out the result for that?
1: So the final presentation is on Wednesday, I believe.
0: What do you get out of it if you do win?
1: There's a prize money, but it's not substantial. But it would help us. I mean, it already helped us a lot because now we can say, okay, we're not these two guys somewhere in Berlin with no names. But we're basically selected 10 best of the uh, infra challenge, which is an initiative of the G20, right? And there was also... We got also some nice contacts there. So it's, it was really a lot of fun or still is till uh, till tomorrow or the day after. You sort of get an advisor who helps you with sort of the story of your company, which is also something you need to develop, right? You want to present yourself and you do a lot of presentations. You have to write some summaries of what you're planning to do and so on and, and so forth and uh relate yourself to the or these goals to the challenge goals, which are sort of infrastructure resilience, and then you also get some contacts, so we got some contacts some drone company aerologics in Australia, which does recording with of of drone footages so there are also some international contacts we got out of this, so in as a whole it was a very Uh, exciting experience and also very valuable for us uh, just starting out. Of course. Well,
0: one of the key things that I I take away from any sort of competitions, especially for startups, whatever it is, is exposure and networking abilities. And you've met people that you wouldn't have met if you didn't join this competition, for example. So as huge stepping stones for Zero 30 Solutions. Okay, so when it comes to your tech and the hardware, so what sort of tech are you working with? Give our listeners, you know, like an understanding of what you're doing. Obviously, don't expose in some of your secrets, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure, I'll I'll, uh, I'll try not to do that. Yeah, so basically the, the networks are, uh, we're using PyTorch, which uh, which is, I think, uh, more nice than TensorFlow, which I've, I've also worked with before, because it sort of has a more bigger ecosystem, I feel, but PyTorch is catching up. And as a programmer, as a developer, it's a much nicer experience working with uh, PyTorch. With the laser data, because it's a huge amount of data usually, so there are sort of 3D points in space, we use C++ because it's just faster to process. Yeah, of course, we also need to label data. So for this, we use CVAT, which we find kind of nice. And there are different other tools.
0: Yeah. So this is obviously where this it becomes a little bit more interesting and more relatable to what we're the podcast is all about. So obviously working with some deep learning models. So tell me about
1: this, what you're doing deep learning models so you mean different architectures
0: Yeah, you, remember you use an optic segmentation was one of the mod-
1: ah yeah so these are these are different outputs right so usually we get a 360 degree image and we want to know what kind of class each pixel belongs to so this uh, this is semantic segmentation usually and then you have some background objects or like yeah in, in the literature they actually call it thing and stuff which which i find quite entertaining and uh so one of those things is, yeah, things that you can tell apart, for example, two cars. And the other thing is sort of more like the background, uh, the context, like a, like a street or something, something that's not really countable. So in essence, we want to find out both of these. So what, what sort of challenges are you coming across working with these models
0: uh, or outputs, etc.? any is it is it any challenges or any um hurdles that you come across working with this, or is it because of your experience?
1: Yeah, of course, so you need of of course uh, the the hardware to do this. So you usually need to need a strong GPU, and what's important for using the GPUs is usually the GPU memory because that determines if you can run a neural network or not. And then, yeah, usually trains over several days, so that's that's quite a long time. Other challenges are, of course, so the main challenge is data, actually, because these these neural networks you can usually, if some research get published, it usually gets published on on uh, if if you're lucky, it gets published on on GitHub, and usually these are domain f- like open source models, so the code is not so much the problem because you can just clone it from GitHub. Usually the problem is the training data and uh, the hardware to train these models.
0: Yeah, I see. And then as a business, you taught me something when we uh, had the chat before this. Point cloud. This is something I wasn't too familiar with, to be honest. I might have seen it, but maybe I just thought it was something to do with cloud, Google Cloud, Azure or AWS, but it's not
1: no it's not so point cloud are these uh, the results of the laser sensors basically which is a relatively new technology i would say so it's not as much used as images for example because also the hardware is sort of expensive uh, is very expensive at this point but it gets cheaper now but it's still sort of expensive uh, you can imagine it if you if you have a 3d model of your world imagine like an ego shooter you probably Uh, know some computer games but instead of surfaces you have lots of tiny points right and those are really billions of points and the nice thing is that they're very accurately geolocated so it's really centimeter accurate
0: yeah so with point cloud is this like the elite of what you could be using for your business like would you say this is probably the best way of doing your business with this
1: well I mean it always depends on how accurate you want it right so you can also take these uh, take just normal images a video and then have a precise GPS uh, receiver so there also the the normal GPS is uh, like meter accurate maybe but there are also solutions that are that are a bit more pricey but you can get the accuracy down however, you still you still have some error if you figure out what objects are in the images and try to triangulate them on, to put them on the map so if you want to be more accurate actually this laser data is is the way to go i think yeah so this can be really centimeter accurate
0: so i was checking out your website the other day when it comes to getting this data you are putting it on top of a car
1: right Yes, yeah. So you can either put it on a car or there are also solutions with drones. For example, Aerologics in Australia, they, uh, they're they buying some LiDAR drones now.
0: This data, are you having to source it yourself or is it data that's already done uh, or you can pay for it? Like, how does it work?
1: Yeah, so you can buy the data if you have the contacts. Like uh, I said before, we have some contacts with some mapping companies and they indeed have these let's say, Google cars, because everybody knows the Google cars, but they have like similar cars. And uh, then they also sell this data, the raw data, and then we can process it, basically. The other option would be to do it ourselves.
0: Yeah, okay. And uh, up until this point of your business, so what are you doing now to drive the business forward in terms of you know what sort of work are you doing at the moment
1: yeah at the moment it's uh, a lot of acquiring trying to talk with customers trying to talk with uh, people that have money basically venture capitalists or trying to look into grants so there are some options and from berlin i live in berlin right so there are some options of for grants from the berlin government basically
0: and uh for zero thirty solutions what's the growth plan what's the vision for the business how big do you hope to get yeah where do you see yourself in five years or so
1: of course we, we hope to be very big but let's see how how that goes so at first we need to find some money then we want to hire some people and then see how how well this goes of course
0: well look you you haven't got to where you are without being very good in your job so obviously prior to this you was at TomTom, Tom, which before that was autonomous autonomy uh,
1: autonomous exactly
0: yeah so You was working on autonomous driving systems with TomTom. So tell me a bit about what you was doing there to gain your skill set to where you are now. So what have you been up to in the past?
1: So TomTom is about uh, creating maps, right? So they were or they're still producing these uh, handheld devices, but now they're going they're, they're more involved into business to business sales. So they sell maps to or mapping solutions to big car manufacturers. And the question is, okay, you have these, these cars, you have the sensor data, these Google cars I was talking before. They have uh, LiDAR or laser data and images. But now how do you get from raw images to a map, right? You want to know where the street is, what, what kind of traffic signs you have, is there a traffic light and so forth. So in TomTom, Tom, or like in general, you can do this manually, so you have a lot of annotators that just look at images and then say, okay, this is, there's a street here or there's a traffic sign here. And then you can mark it in the image, put it on the map. But of course, you want to be... This is a kind of a slow process. So of course, you want to automate it. And this is where deep learning comes into play or machine learning techniques, which are... They're an excellent fit, I think. So this is what I've been doing at TomTom. Basically, trying to automate... The interpretation of images and laser data to put things on, on the map.
0: So with autonomous driving, just whilst we're on the subject, I always get very eager to find out what you guys think of the future when it comes to autonomous driving. So slightly off subject, but what are we going to be looking for in the future when it comes to uh, autonomous driving?
1: I, I think it will come for sure. Just a matter of time. I mean, there are maybe some overly eager promises, but in the end it will it's, it's achievable, I think, yeah.
0: What do you think might be some of our biggest hurdles to get past this? Do you think it might be something to do with restrictions, laws, etc.? Or do you think it might be more to do with the tech that's going to be the struggle?
1: Yeah, so I think, of course, you need to change some laws. There's also the question of responsibility, right? If if a, if a car makes an accident and it's driving autonomously, who's at fault, right? The driver, the company who did this, can you blame the car somewhere? I was recently talking with a friend of mine who studied law and... Uh, he read some dissertation, I think, or something about this. And they actually went back to Roman times to look at the Roman law about slaves because they were sort of the only comparable thing to autonomous cars. This might be not super politically correct. And I didn't read it. So, but that's a, uh, that's a funny, funny thing he told me. Yeah. I don't think laws, uh, laws, I think that's some, it's for sure a problem, but I, I, I think that's overcomable. I think it's more on the tech side. So. I think for highways, it's already almost there, I think. So there are some automated systems because it's a very, let's say, simple environment, right? So I think also uh, Waymo is driving now in some cities in in the U.S., which is actually also more simple because they're sort of planned, right? You have these very, you have these blocks, and then it's very straight, and there are not so many pedestrians and probably not so many bicyclists. Whereas in Europe, if you, so I studied in Amsterdam. If if, if you have ever been to Amsterdam, there are like these tiny streets. They're very windy. Everywhere there's bicycles, like pedestrians, tourists that don't look left and right. They maybe uh, took some substances. So uh, you need to be very careful, right? So I think that's a very big challenge.
0: Yeah, well, I can I completely understand what you're saying because when it comes to on highways, for example, I think cars have already had installed. If you come out of your lane, your car can automatically divert you back to the center. I think the car's already doing that. So even things like that is a step really in the right direction. But obviously what I'm seeing is I live outside the east of London so in a city around Chelmsford Way it's just full of country lanes etc so that is where I think could be the biggest challenges that we might come across well what you guys uh, similar to yourself will be coming across because there's so much to look out for and it's irregular right it's irregular regular information that's going to be going through with data so when it comes to software engineering deep learning etc What do you think the main differences are in between just software engineering to deep learning?
1: I would consider deep learning sort of part of software engineering, although it's different than writing just, I wouldn't say just a program, but it's different from, from usual software engineering because it's a lot about data, right? So these neural networks are super flexible, they can learn... A lot of things so you can take sort of a backbone architecture and then apply it to images or or depth images or different tasks right so one thing that makes the process a bit different is that you need the training data for your tasks. So instead of really programming a network, you just show it some examples. So of course, then you need to prepare the data. So someone has to label it or you need to use some uh, some unsupervised methods to train it. So there's also some Carpati, uh, sort of a famous guy, I think he's the head of research at uh, Tesla. And he came up with the slogan "Software 2.0. and he means that you will, instead of really programming stuff, you will, or the whole field will go to just preparing the data and sort of let the let the computer learn what it has to do. So I think that's a bit more further out there, but I can see this definitely being useful for uh, for certain tasks.
0: Yeah, and what do you see in the future? Because you must have worked with a lot of deep learning, right? when it comes to everything you've done. Where do you see deep learning going in the next few years or so? Like, where is it innovating
1: to? So I think what's what's currently an important topic is this training data is, is, is paramount, right? If you don't have the training data, and that's something we also need to work on, if you don't have it, you can't solve the task, basically, right? And if you do semantic segmentation, for example, so every pixel has its own class, somebody has to sit down and really... Say what each pixel, what what kind of class it is. Basically, is it a street? Is it a car, and so forth. And this is super expensive, right? So I know for cityscapes, which is a sort of a famous data set, it took them one and a half hours for one image, right? And if you have they're in the range of twenty thousand images, so you can imagine how how long that would take and how expensive this is. So one thing that's that's important is to Reduce this cost or this effort, right? And self-supervised learning is, is one uh, one topic that might work here.
0: As a business, are you doing a lot of research to try and drive it forward? What sort of uh, research are you doing?
1: It's rather not a company. Maybe it's it's uh, it's me myself. So I, I'm also collaborating with a professor in uh, TU Delft. Yeah. So one thing is I'm I'm looking at uh, invertible networks. Uh, they're called normalizing flows. So they are sort of interesting because one they're invertible and second they're they're mapping the probability distributions so meaning if you have a set of images you could imagine it to be each image would be a sample from a complicated probability distribution but you cannot just write down the probability distribution so what you want to do is map this very complicated image probability distribution to a gaussian And then since it's invertible, the network, you can just, once you input all the images, you make sure that they sort of the histogram resembles a Gaussian. Then you can invert it and sample from it. So one nice thing is that you can also compute the probability of one sample, meaning one image. You put it through the network and it lands somewhere in your Gaussian. And then you can compute sort of the probability. So one interesting task is to determine if you have unusual examples, right? Coming back to maybe autonomous driving, you might have a situation which the car is not familiar with. It's never been trained on and neural networks are usually very bad in this area. And then they're sort of unpredictable. So there's a benefit to figuring out which samples are unusual and not in the training set so you can do this or people were thinking you can do this with these invertible networks but however they they give wrong results so the question is why do they do this so that's something i'm looking at and the other thing is also so the usual output of a uh, of a neural network for a classification is a softmax layer I think uh, most people working with uh, deep learning or neural networks are familiar with this. Now, one interesting thing about the softmax layer is that it treats every output the same. And also during training, it will uh, treat all the classes the same. However, if, you, if you're, if for example, Tom and you want to distinguish between different traffic signs, there might be a difference between a danger sign like there's a roadblock or whatever and an information sign which just tells you which area you're in or something so if you're using a softmax output then for the network it doesn't matter if it mistakes an information sign with a danger sign but in reality making this mistake could be worse than just mistaking uh, two information signs so this is some something else i'm looking into and of course this is this is not only for traffic scientists this might also be interesting for the company actually yeah for for different things on electricity pole for example
0: No that's awesome well look, I appreciate you going through uh, some of the technical stuff that you work with and you've been researching on especially both TomTom and at Zero 030 solutions so I want to dive a bit more into entrepreneurship now because you are in a very fortunate position although it's going to be extremely tough there's so many people that dream of doing what you are now just about to venture off to do so um why did you want to become an entrepreneur
1: yeah so first i always wanted to try it but i sort of never never really had an idea or the courage also to do it and now there was some restructuring in TomTom, which i was uh, frankly not very happy about and i was also there for years so i thought it's time for a change And then a year ago or something, I talked with uh, my colleague, uh, Julien, and we all already uh, said we wanted to start something. And then uh, we said, let's, let's start with it. So it's one is the, the freedom and also the challenge to see, can you really do this? Right. Can you, can you manage this? Also, I sort of like chaotic environments. So a nine to five job is not something i'm interested in now that might change if i have a family but uh yeah well, let's see
0: so, so you, it's basically you've gone from a nine to five job to probably 24 7 now because it's going to be your life yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no I, I love it it's brilliant it's very inspiring for someone uh, like myself and some of our listeners will be you know deep learning engineers computer vision engineers maybe one day take that leap of faith and just sort of go for it and uh, it's really interesting to hear it from someone who is literally just about to start so who knows in a year or two time we should get you back on here again
1: sure yeah i'll be happy yeah how did you
0: come up with the idea for zero thirty solutions though
1: so Julien had already some experience in that area. That's also why I'm so focused on electricity distribution grid, because he has some contacts already there. He has worked on this idea a bit longer. Now we we improved uh, the, the solution a bit by adding uh, deep learning, basically. Yeah. So we're a lot better than before, I suppose.
0: Yeah, awesome. And you might have sort of mentioned it, but what have you learned so far being in the role that you are within the last two weeks but obviously you've been playing it for a year but what have you learned so far about yourself about the business about life
1: <laughs> yeah so uh, talking to customers is important it's uh, it's something I've never done before so there's a lot of learning going on then also talking to investors getting money is, uh, is quite a challenge also so, working as a technician you're you're super excited by the newest technology and i'm I'm very deep into machine learning right I spent like the last years trying to catch up or trying to get more deeper into it. One thing that is interesting is that you always need to find a problem that you can solve right. Sort of, and um, and that's what we're trying also to figure out now. Because we're coming from the hardcore technical side, we built a nice tech that has a nice demonstrator. We we made a video which which was quite well received, but now we need to really get closer to the customer and solve their problems because they're the ones who, who are giving money. But in such a way that it's still interesting for us, technical guys, right? So this is quite quite an interesting challenge, which I was sort of aware, but not really super aware that it's so important right
0: yeah so when it comes to zero thirty 30 solutions like are you in a position where you've got investors coming close or you know like have you got any money that's going to be coming in or at the moment are you funding
1: it yourself yeah so at the moment basically we we put aside some money which i would recommend to do because it takes a lot of stress away <laughs> so i'm sort of safe for at least a year and then, yeah, we're talking to some investors, but there's nothing fixed. So at, at this point, it's just, uh, just living off our savings.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully with this competition that you're possibly about to win by the sounds of things. But who knows? We'll wait. You know, this could really spike. Yeah, fingers crossed. This really could spike some interest. People will start to see the value that your business can give to uh, the market. So um, as a business, h- how do you make money? Like, Who, who would be paying for you, so your services?
1: Some utility companies. So, I mean, the, the, the companies that maintain the infrastructure, Idea would be that they pay us and uh, either they would give us the data or we buy the data from, from some mapping company and then process the data and give them back the results sort of as a service.
0: Yeah. Well, look, you, you are only two weeks in, so I can't really ask for much of you know like a, a golden nugget for our listeners but what advice would you give to someone who's looking to set up a startup
1: uh do it I, uh, so so far i'm very happy try to have some money on the site for peace of mind a bit and then yeah just get into it so
0: yeah no look it's it's simple effective advice and i think you mentioned it as well put money aside to relieve the stress of your shoulders is it difficult to try and set up a business or have plan a business whilst working for such a big company like TomTom? Tom? is it is that is it stressful is it worrying or did they know about it or no it was
1: sort of under the radar but yeah i mean it's if you have a full-time job then it's a lot of work basically
0: working a lot of evenings i'm guessing
1: exactly so that's also one of the reasons i quit now because uh, it's, it's too much and you also want to hang out with friends or go for a beer or something right yeah
0: Well, one thing I've learned about entrepreneurship is that you need to grind for at least two to four years to really get your product or business off the ground. And then you get that financial freedom, you'll get freedom, which I think is more important than financial freedom in my eyes. It's the freedom to spend time with family, et cetera, and do what you want to do, which I think is the biggest win if you get a successful business off the line. But look, we've covered a lot of things. You've given some good information on the technical side. I love the fact that you're very early into your business and I'm able to watch your journey happen in front of my eyes. So I will be keeping a close eye on your LinkedIn page, especially the business page as well, to see what happens with your competition. But also other things as well. Any awards that might be coming your way because businesses like this, like you've created, with the tech and the hardware that you're using, it's not cheap and it's not easy. So these are things that are groundbreaking and, you know, these are new things that are coming to these specific industries. So it's always really good to watch something like this unfold. So thank you for being here, Nicholas.
1: Yeah, thanks for the invite, Riz. It was uh, was a pleasure. <laughs> well,
0: it was your first podcast, so I'm I'm really, really happy that it went well for you. And I'm really happy that you was able to add some value to our audience and just them to get to know you. And I hope that at some point once you start to get yourself and you know start growing people will recognize your name and recognize the business and who knows it might help you in the near future but i like to ask this question for all my guests because it's i find it interesting to what you guys would use or do so it's very cliche but if you were stuck on an island a deserted island what are the three things you'd take with you nicholas
1: can i bring friends (laughs) yeah free friends <laughs> yeah, so friends is nice i bring my guitar i guess maybe uh, do i have internet there maybe i bring my laptop
0: oh that's so funny literally every i've asked you're the third guest i asked that they always say a laptop or internet
1: how long will i be there though maybe it's good to take some time off you know <laughs> if i have friends then it's okay
0: i love it because <laughs> you, you guys obviously tech doesn't leave you so even a deserted island you want wi-fi and you want a laptop which is amazing because it shows your commitment to your uh, to your industry and your uh, your work but that's cool friends guitar and internet you can have it i don't mind
1: <laughs> amazing yeah that sounds great yeah well, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you so much nicholas it's been a pleasure i hope you listeners at home were able to uh gain some information and good value from this today and yeah thanks nicholas for being here thanks
1: always Ruth. all right